Hello, everyone, and welcome to the American Scouser Podcast. I am your host, as always, Timuchin, over here in Chicago. We have the guy in the stadium with us, as always, Bickler. What's happening? Greetings from Houston. Um, no, he's uh, not here. Yeah. We're waiting for Al roll call. Well, well, yeah, he's still not there. See, BJ is here, but Al is not there. Greetings from North Carolina, I guess. How's it going over yep. there? It's uh, it's a freaking swamp, and it's the summer, but we're here. And from his holiday location, playing the away game is Galley. Galley, what's happening? Not too much, guys. Just sitting here in Key West, Florida, trying to keep myself hydrated. Don't make fun of the water bottle. Yeah, we kind of heard what you were getting hydrated with, so the water bottle is really going to be needed. So, finally... We have actual games to talk about. I mean, since we won, it became an actual game. If we had lost, we're just going to be preseason. But since we did win, it will be an actual game. So let's start with that. There's kind of like a bunch of areas that I want to go to with this game. And then obviously, finally, the season is here. So we'll be able to talk about that. But first thing I want to talk about is this, the lineup over here, Bickler. Anything shocking to you? I'm, I mean, when we were talking, I think we got this pretty much dead on. Probably the only person would be Matip instead of Konate. Shocked to see that? Uh, so not after the lineup of the game before, right, where Konate started. That was pretty much the dead giveaway that he wasn't going to start this match. But, yeah, overall, a little bit. But, you know, Klopp, Klopp is uh, – I mean, he's big on loyalty, right? So I think, I think he will – Look, I mean, I think that he probably will roll Joel out until the succession plan fully develops and in probably only a matter of time. But um, when I look at it, I can see Klopp being pretty loyal to like if it's a 50-50, he's going to go with the guy that he's he's held the most um, sort of seniority to. Right. So, I mean, I think that that sort of holds true here. But otherwise, yes, uh, the lineup we all expected, the lineup we probably all wanted. By the way, I just noticed that you guys are such in a happy mood, smiling and stuff like that. And I know exactly why. So don't think I forgot about trivia. Well, I did wow. forget about trivia, but I did freaking just remember it. Because I just sense like an extra level. Too late. We're already in the game graphics. Around. It'd be unprofessional to peel away now. Oh, no. Unprofessional is my middle name. So let's go to the this week's trivia that I acted like I forgot to see what reaction I would get. Let's go with that. So since you guys are really digging these Premier League club questions, BJ is like producing them like a freaking factory out there. So here we go. Out of the Premier League clubs participating in this year, 22-23 season, how many of them were not in the very first Premier League season. I'll even give you a number because Galley is extremely confused and irate hearing this. Eight teams we're looking for over here, people. So you guys got to get some of them. But eight teams. Bickler, we're starting with you. Give us four guesses, and then let's see if we get four out of four for you. As original eight teams in? Yes, uh, eight man, teams just, playing this season were not in the very first season of the Premier League. Give me oh, four eight teams guesses. Were not in. Okay, we're, we're not in. We're not. Okay. Uh, Manchester City. That'll be my like my my sort of long shot one. Let's see. I'm gonna go 
Manchester City, Bournemouth, uh, Wolves. Um, God, not even Forest was good back then. Um, Leicester. Um, I feel like Fulham was probably in. Um, you can just keep naming a bunch of clubs and like you know hope that they count as guesses. Give me four right here. You said City, Wolves, yeah, Leicester, yeah. I named one more. I can't remember already. I named four. Um, Fulham, but yeah, Bournemouth, 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 Bournemouth. 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 I think my Fulham, answer. I'm. I think Fulham was in there for some reason. I don't know why. I'll uh, take five guesses go. then. Okay, Fulham will take as well. Give me five guesses. You got. Well. You can hop in, Galley, anytime. You fucking sit here and let me flounder and save your ass every week. Whoa, then Gally, Gally gets extra ass. time, and then he comes in with like a fucking hero at the end. Don't <laughs> like give me he this puts shit. a lot of thought into it or something. <laughs> I knew it all. I want to be guys. fair. I want to be fair here. In most instances, Paul is one hundred percent right. He saves me and gives me a little time to like come up with ideas, and sometimes hear something stupid he says and improve on it. The problem yeah. with this is he used five of the four I was going to throw out there when he was only asked for four. So I have to now come up with more teams on top of it that I think weren't in the league. And it's actually more difficult, and I have no clue. So I'm going to just guess because it's random. Southampton, West Ham, Crystal Palace, and I'm also going to say Bournemouth. Those are my four. Man. I'm probably going to have to give it to Bickler over here because he did get some teams right. So Bournemouth, you guys both got. That was one of them. Eight teams in total. Brantford is another one. Uh, Brighton. Their first yeah. year. Yeah. Brighton. Uh, Fulham. Leicester City. Newcastle. West Ham. And Wolves. I got West Ham. You think yeah, West Ham. So the Newcastle one's surprising to me. That's surprising. I was actually shocked with the Newcastle one too. I thought you guys would have nailed Brantford, to be honest. No, that one. That we should have honestly. If I had the table up in front of me, I feel like I would have got that, but I didn't. So whatever. Excuses, excuses. But okay, now that we wiped those freaking smiles off the faces, let's get back to the lineup over here, Galley. <laughs> uh, you are Mr. Konade yourself. Uh, especially going against Holland, how shocked are you that we went from Matzab? I think Bickler is right. Like once we saw the midweek game, it was kind of a hint. But still, like when we were kind of projecting this lineup, I know you were guessing Panade as well. I expected him to start. I mean, he started the Champions League final. He started the last three league matches, which were all must wins. So to me, I thought he had kind of won himself the second spot. I totally understand it. I'm with Paul. I don't think Matzab was anything different than what Kanate would have offered in the match. I think maybe because of the way that Pep's side plays with a more methodical uh, possession base, that it wasn't as much about speed and there's no more Raheem Sterling running at Trent on the left-hand side. It was Jack Grealish. So it was more about the guile and maybe you wanted the veteran player. And I think maybe it was just about having the most solid back line you could have. And I think Virgil and Joel have the most minutes together of anyone in the side um, at this point with how much they played last year. So I can understand why he made that call. Everything else basically picked itself, as we said. Nunez was never going to start this match because, honestly, Klopp's smart enough to 
not put that much pressure on his big signing. And he let the pressure go on the other big signing. And we'll get to how that turned out. Yeah. So that was like the interesting thing. Obviously we kind of like knew that's how we would go. Uh, Bickler, let me ask you about this before we get to the Nunez thing. Cause I think that's going to be kind of like a talking point in terms of Nunez Howland. I want to kind of like get your guys take on that. Cause I kind of see the overreaction we saw when, Nunez did not score the first two goals has kind of like flipped. I feel like we're seeing an overreaction of the other side now, but we'll get to that. So let's go to the game out of the starting 11. Give me one thing that you were extremely pleased to see on the field, whether it's a performance or anything. Um... Okay, I'll give you – so I think that Mo Salah looks like a player who got a two-ton weight off his chest. He looks like somebody who's been training for three months with resistance bands on and got him off for the first time. I thought he looked faster, stronger, looser. I, he didn't seem like he was overthinking things when he was on the ball. Like there was a fluidity to his game that we haven't seen in probably through – well, the, probably closer to six months since before AFCON. Um yeah, so, I mean, anytime your best player looks improved, I mean, I, that's a huge W for me. How about you, Gally? So, I, I don't want to repeat what Paul said, but I was shocked when that first one, I thought it went in. I jumped out of my bar stool here in, Fort, um, in the Florida Keys. I was jumping up and down. I was in a new bar, and I was just screaming, and then I realized that it hit the side netting. Because uh, when Mo got to that middle spot and took that first shot, and Ederson jumped past. I was like, there's no way he misses the net here. And he just hit the side netting. I thought it was in. I thought he was sharp. I thought he was lively. I thought his touches on the crossfield balls that were being played to him were just absolutely magic. And some of the uh, over-the-top balls played to him in space. And he was just running them down. Like it, There were a couple that just looked like they were absolutely destined to go out for throw-ins or even uh, goal kicks. And he chased them down. He kept his feet. He then took on Cancelo and just squared him up, kind of made Cancelo look like a third-rate defender, which kind of made me laugh. Um, I I think Mo is ready for, like, a huge, huge year. We all said last year that we thought AFCON, the emotional side effects, and more importantly, the contract weighed on him. I think you can't underestimate what kind of confidence can be given to a player who already knows he might be the best player in the league. And now there's no more questions. He's just the best player in the league. And I, I just think we might – it's scary to say this. We might actually see the best of Mo Salah coming up in this campaign. Yeah, I think so. We're all on the same page there. I thought that was one of the – aside from, uh, you know, shout out to, I think, Hando because he looked more like his old self uh, compared to the more tired Hando. Uh, so that was like – that was good to see in midfield where obviously where all the concerns are and we'll get to the injuries and stuff like that later on. But yeah, Mo definitely looked like his old self again. And that is definitely good to see. I, I almost think Bickler that part of it is, I mean, it's one thing to be, you know, the best player in the league and stuff. And obviously everybody's going to have like a different discussion on that. Um, But it feels like, does it almost like get the sense that this is more his team now? I know we don't do that, but there is no conversation about who the leader up top is, even though we have like a high dollar signing. 
you kind of know like he is the boss of the attack. Yeah, it sure feels like that, doesn't it? I mean, I, I definitely do think it feels like that. I think um, I think it's interesting, man. I think we talk about – I mean, we always talk about how we have a squad full of players where, like, money isn't everything, right? But I think there is some confidence that happens when you get a monster contract and you get that kind of backing. I think it's less about, like, how that feels in your bank account and more about how that feels for your ego, right? And I think that uh, it's just not necessarily that he needed it, but I think we all perform better when our boss says, you know what, you're one of the best and we're going to back it with this and, and put it in your bank account. Mm -hmm. And I think that's uh, clearly a tremendous boost for him. Uh, I think the fact that we got some new toys around him probably makes him happy um, in terms of the way that we're building around him. Um, yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of moving parts, but I think, Mo's a humble guy. He doesn't say a whole lot. And I think, man, I think any sort of negativity that was started to surround his contract and sort of the snowball towards the end of last year, I think that had a real huge effect on him. Um, and, you know, um, it's just good to be out of that neck of the woods, have some clarity on it, and have him back to putting football first. I think it's – you know, like Michael Martin says in terms of like Mo and Sadio that their competition at times bordered on unhealthy. I think it's probably mighty close. And I would argue that, you know, like now we find that, like, you know, like Sadio wanted to leave, you know, all along. Like he already like let his intentions known. And that might be part of the reason why he didn't want out because maybe it was slightly unhealthy. I don't think it ever reflected on the rest of the team or on the pitch as much. I think when you look at any any given game, when you look at strikers, there are always times you're going to be like, oh, man, should I play that pass? It's just kind of like a striker mentality. But, Gally, I mean, do you think that contract talk, when somebody gets a big contract like that, I think it has an extremely big boost when they're on the same team, kind of like what Bickler is saying, because it's almost like a confirmation of how good you are, how much you're valued. It doesn't bring that pressure of going to a new club with that big contract where you're trying to live up to the contract. Yeah. I mean, it affirms your own belief, right? Mo Salah believed in himself. He believed he was a great goal scorer. He was a great goal scorer, but the club told him that they valued him to the level he valued himself. And I think that instills confidence in a player. I also think it instills confidence in the rest of the players inside the dressing room. Because they recognize that if you're great, like, let's be honest, right? Even Sadio Mane, who says nothing but glowing things about Mo Salah as a teammate, as a man, and his talents and attributes on the pitch. They watch him every day in training. They know how hard he works. They watch him every day on a pitch, and they watch him on Saturday and Sunday. And they know he's the best player on that team. Like, they're all great, but they know he's the best. And I think... If I'm Luis Diaz and I see the club reward Mo Salah or reward Virgil van Dyke for being the best in the world at what they do, it instills confidence in me that if I fulfill my potential, that this employer and this club will be respectful to me and take care of me as well. And at the end of the day, they're all professionals and they're supporting their families and they're building legacies for themselves. So, you know, and we talk about the new signings, 
and it's absolutely true. I think he's excited to play with Diaz on the left. I think he's really, really excited to play with Nunez. They look like they've already created good, great chemistry. But, and you guys will get mad at me for saying this first, but he should be most excited that Bobby Firmino was on the pitch starting with him because he looked really good and he got in good spots. And more importantly, he got out of spots to create space for him. And I think it's space that at times Sadio was taking up, at times Jota takes up. And I think we saw that Pep and Mo's step coming in, cutting in on the left that we've seen for, you know, five plus years. And I, I believe Bobby, you know, if I could go back when you asked me, what did I want to kind of highlight? And I went into Mo because it was just so good. I think the highlight was Bobby Firmino looked like Bobby Firmino. And I hope it lasts because it'll change everything if it does. Well, you know, when this comes from this guy over here, Gally. Uh, you know, Bobby was. Hey, hey, don't be shaking your head. You're not. Uh, I, I, Bickler knows I, what I'm talking about, right? Bickler. Kelly hates Bobby. Thank that you, Bickler. It's such bullshit, and you know it, and you know it, and you guys love it because you know it. And oh man! You. Well done, well done, my friend. Where's okay, my sippy cup Bobby. when I need it? <laughs> look at, look at that setup I just gave you, Tamuchin. Look at that. I teed you up like literally, like put it on a six-inch for the team. transition. Yeah. I was, actually, like, uh, I was actually waiting more for like, uh, and you know, I can't wait till Nunes actually starts next to Mo or something like that. But <laughs> here we go with Bobby. So, Bickler, let's start with you. Uh, what do you think? What do you make of uh, Bobby's performance overall? I mean, like, um, as I try to pull this back up on the screen over here. Uh, you can kind of like tell the difference in terms of spacing. A couple of times that like Gally was talking about, like when we play that ball over the top and we were able to isolate, you know, like Cancelo with Mo, it's usually due to movement of Bobby. Yeah, I mean, I mean, on a somewhat unrelated note, I wonder if we've learned a thing or two from the way Diaz plays because like we bought Diaz, right? And he's a true wide wing. He doesn't naturally go inverted unless you ask him to do so and that has created room for the inside channel either the midfielder or robert to come through and i felt like i noticed a lot of that with trent i felt like i noticed a lot of trent using that inside channel and mo being a little bit further wide right than we typically see him so i wonder if we're sort of mimicking some of that play pattern on the right um but yeah i mean like bobby is my favorite shirt uh, he's my favorite player to put on a red shirt since Dirk out um, and so I've been pretty vocal about that. I think as a striker, he's just a fucking unicorn in terms of the way that he sees space and the way that he operates in space. And I think, yeah, he's going to do things in the middle that both Jota and Nunez uh, don't naturally do and wouldn't naturally do even if they saw it. And so, yeah, I think in terms of press and in terms of spacing, I think the, the biggest thing, you know, Klopp said that Liverpool is the most dangerous side when we have an effective counter game. And you just don't naturally see that because we have so much possession. But I think the key to that is Bobby because Bobby's a trigger man out of the counter. He's the guy that mm -hmm. takes the ball deep in the midfield and triggers the counter. And so, I mean, I think that he brings a lot of that, like uh, that sort of lethal counterplay back that we have when we're at our best. And when we can pull teams in and hit them on the counter, he brings that back. So, Man, long live Bobby. I hope we get a lot of help from him this year. I think it'll be a big, big boost to the way we play going forward. And I know that Carvalho is in the mids a lot, and we see him as a midfielder. 
but I think he has a lot of the same tendencies and some of the very, very unique things that Bobby has. And I hope in training they're tied to a hip because I think if Carvalho can see some of the things that Bobby sees, he's got the ability in his game to do some of those things. And I think we look at how do we replace Bobby in the transfer market. Very, very difficult. I think we may have already. Mm. And another good thing, I mean, that's, I think what I was, I love Bobby as well. You know, unlike Gally, we really like Bobby, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) I think the biggest thing I also like is Bobby performing well, I think buys Nunez time and those like more calmer opportunities like what he had, as opposed to kind of like an auto form Bobby. And, you know, I give crap to Gally, but you know, we did see a lot of Gally. I mean, Bobby, when he was having those injuries and stuff, he was not himself. So I think, you know, Correct. Bobby being himself deserving and earning those minutes, I think buys time for Nunez. And, you know, we're going to get to that next, but I want to get your take on that Gally first. And then I want to kind of go into Nunez and the Holland conversation from there. Yeah, I think Bobby being able to be fit and perform at a high level playing through the middle in the 4-3-3 to start the season is everything Nunez needs to really have an even more impactful season because it allows him to come off the bench. He's going to be going against tired defenders. He's going to be basically an impact sub. And he looks like a guy where if you give him three chances to score a goal, he's going to put one in the net. Like, that's what I've seen from his time at Benfica. It's what I've seen from his time. And I know he had a few glaring misses early in the in the campaign. But I think he's going to fit in well. Where I really think the squad takes off and we may turn the corner to being, you know, the best team in England, let alone the best team in the world that we strive to be, is when the two of them can play on the pitch together with Mo Salah on the right. And I think when that happens, the club has a chance to transform itself and, and prove why you paid $85 million, $85 million pounds for a striker that had one big year at top-level football at Benfica. And I think that's because they know that they have kind of an attacking goal scoring magician, really, because that's what he is. I mean, he can score every type of goal. He's got a ton of flaws in his game, but he's so young. But I think where Bobby gives him time to not have the pressure while also mitigating the fact that, you know, Jota being out until maybe the new year, is a big, big, big loss for this side. I, mean, I know he had a hard time after Diaz came. I almost felt like Jota's injury coupled with Diaz coming in and hitting the ground running and then Sadio moving to the middle almost made Jota like a like a floating mystery of a player because he was so good for his first 18 months. And then as soon as Diaz showed up, it was almost like his spot in the side was was replaced. And, you know, I'll put my hand up. I thought a healthy Jota would be starting through the middle until Darwin was ready because he'd proven he'd score those goals and Bobby hadn't proven he was fit. Bobby looks fit and Jota's out injured for what looks like it could be a considerable amount of time with his hamstring injury. So, you know, I, I really think it's, it's so key. I think Bobby Firmino right now is the key to Liverpool making a strong title challenge. And I think it's Bobby between now and the World Cup being right up there, like one to one A is most important piece of this squad. Man, Bizarro Monday. What like a twist. vacation galley. Oh. <laughs> Man, always, what a ride. I always felt that was the guy that was there. What did I always tell you? If he can play four games in a row, it'll be the first time in 
three months he's played four games in a row. Yeah, so but it was the way it, you said it. But he's got to <laughs> get fit. I genuinely and believe I think, it, though, guys. Like, I really do. And I think that's the thing with him being able to – having Nunez, it, like this game is a perfect example where we're not killing Bobby because Bobby does a lot of running and pressing. So being able to bring on Nunez off the bench – buys Nunez time kind of like helps him kind of like take things easier and not stress as much as, you know, having that pressure and then helps Bobby at the same time because keeps those legs fresher for what we need him to do. So let's get to this right here. So when this, the preseason this started, picture is unreal, dude. I know, right? You like pick, good job to me. Like, dude, look at these. This could be, these two could be characters from like, the original Saved by the Bell, like the next season. Like, look at these, dude. like these haircuts. They could be Let's Saved be by the Bell characters. I would love the to guy, take credit, but I just snatched it off the internet. So, Let's be honest. The guy, the guy on the left also looks like he could be the villain in any movie that's ever had like an Eastern European person play the bad guy. Whether it was Die Hard, whether it was, you know, Ghostbusters 2. And it was the, like, literally, Holland has the look of every Bond villain that they've ever tried to cast. True. And and Nunez has the look of like really good looking South American man in red. And that just comes with class and you I know, think I like the Zach Morris haircut on Nunez. Yeah, okay, well, I didn't too. like do the picture so you guys can look at the hairstyling. Okay, let's let me get that out of the way because you guys are getting you get, distracted. <laughs> you get mine and Paul's hair. When you get mine and Paul's hair, we're gonna do anything to post. Exactly. This is why we can't ever have any production on this show. <laughs> like, exactly. like, yeah, like distracted too easy. Yeah, you are like two you cats with a squirrel. new toy. Like, just you know, off the rails. Okay, well, let's talk. So, we should bring Matush over here. If we were going to do so much fashion and style, I would have, thought, I would have brought up Matush as a freaking guest. But, okay, so let's ask uh, some football questions, uh, soccer questions, whatever you want to call it. So, Bickler, uh, we talked about, you know, kind of like buying in time. And I, I'm what I was asking about before you started admiring the hairs um, is, you know, like there was kind of like an overreaction of the last five minutes of this game the extra time added just changed the entire dynamic and the scenario. I feel with, you know, Nunez getting his goal and Holland missing that wide open one. Cause I feel like this conversation would not be as dominant if those five minutes were not added on. I mean, it would for me, like it would for me. Cause I think that like, I know you, I get your point. I, I yes. So like a, a miss from five yards out over the bar, Clipping the bar is definitely going to make headlines. Uh, very much in the same way that Nunez missing a sitter in preseason is going to going to do it. Um, I think the difference for me was like, like I mean, early days, right? So like a year from now, we were all talking. Like a lot of supporters were talking about like, oh, Holland, and if we got Holland, it would be lights out. We would win the you know. And my concern always with Holland, I know Galley always questioned his durability. I always question his movement in general. Like, can he do the things that we demand out of a center forward to do? I know that not everyone's going to be Bobby and drop super deep in the mids. And I know not all of them are going to press their socks off. Right. But can he do any of that at like a five out of 10? And like my concern about Holland, like, listen, like he's going to get goals. He's good enough. City create too many chances. Like, and he's good enough as a raw young talent. He's going to put goals away. 
like at probably a pretty good rate. Like he's going to score goals. But but my concern is is like and you saw De Bruyne getting frustrated with Holland on the pitch. And I love De Bruyne, but that's one thing I don't like about his game is that to me he gets very negative on the pitch very quickly with people. Um, and I think that's going to be a problem because Holland, like I, we don't have a heat map for him, but he was a fucking statute for most of that game. And that's a problem. Like he's got to find movement. He's got to find ways to get into that and, and, and show to space and do all those things that you need a striker to do. And he didn't do that in this game. Now, granted, he hasn't played hardly any, right? And so that's on Pep. You put your big money signing out there cold with not a whole lot of preseason and expect good results. So, I mean, are we overacting? Probably. Um, are there things that I would be concerned about as a city supporter? Yeah, a little bit, for sure. Ask and you shall receive, my friend. What do you make of this heat map and the lack of movement, Gaudi? I mean, I think one thing that we saw is, and I wish, I was talking to actually somebody about this earlier today, I wish City had a tougher run starting the season because I think he will get his goals, I agree with Bickler, but I think it's going to take them time to find ways to get the most out of him. And until then, I think they're going to have some issues that they didn't have with whiny Jesus. So what do you make of now that we're looking at the heat map that Bickler was asking for? Love you found a way to get a shot and a dig at Jesus talking about City, a guy who plays for another squad. And and two, by the way, while you're taking shots at us about hair, let the man who wears a hat on every podcast not talk about heads of hair, okay? Like really, giving <laughs> you know us what? some. I'll put it up here so you guys can man. talk about hair instead of football. All yeah, no, no. yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Look at that. And in, in, in all seriousness, that picture right there of Erling Holland's head is a hell of a lot more impressive than this heat map because two of his first four touches were on kickoffs, one to start the game and one after Trent's goal. He was poor, 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 poor. And you can say it when someone's great, like someone doesn't have to be awesome every time they get out there. He was really good before that big rainstorm happened in Green Bay in the, in the preseason friendly um, against Bayern Munich, the goal he scored was exactly what you expect from Holland being in the right place at the right time, getting on the end of a cross. He was poor in this match. You know what he looked like? He looked like a guy who knew he was playing his first real match in England against his real competitor and opponent. And it wasn't Nunez. It was Liverpool and it was Van Dyke, and it was Matip. And I just think the way that they kind of marshaled him through the box he never looked like he was in a really dangerous position. Now, there was that one time on the counter where falling down, he got that shot off, like sweeping yeah. his leg at it. And I was like, wow, that's the talent right there. Like, he was completely off balance. He was falling down. And he got a strike on net that if Adrian doesn't get, I can't believe I'm going to say this, a strong leg out, it's goal. And it's an impressive goal because he's, going the other way, falling down, and he puts the ball in the bottom left-hand corner of the net. But other than that, do you remember anything else he did other than the big miss? And to Paul's point, he's way too stagnant in his movement for Pep. So either Pep's going to change his tactics or Holland's going to change as a player. And let's be honest, folks. Pep hasn't changed his tactics once between Barcelona, Bayern, and City. The only thing he really did was change the way he played with those, you know, 
the really tucked in defenders in the Premier League when he first came in and he just got run over in that first season. And they were like, this will never work in the Premier League if he just keeps bombing everyone forward. And he kind of realized how you have to defend. I've always questioned whether they have the pieces to supply Holland with success. And what I mean by that is, is a big part of Holland's success at Dortmund was what Jaden Sancho was able to bring on the right-hand side in that prolific year the two of them had where they were at the highest of their games. And that was always my fear of him getting to United was he'd be reunited with Sancho and they would really pull something together. And I just don't know that Mares offers that. And I know Jack Grealish can offer it, but I don't think Jack Grealish can be successful in the Pep Guardiola system because it, it requires you to have more than a two-cent head. And I'm not sure he has a one-cent head. And that's the thing. I mean, whether they like it or not, Scott, I'm like so scared to put this picture up now, but uh, whether they like it or not, they're always, I mean, these guys are always going to be connected. They came, I mean, top two teams that are constantly going out in the Premier League. And these are their like high dollar, high profile signings in the off season to kind of like one better each other. And obviously Holland has, I feel like more pressure coming in and he will, I mean, and kind of like showed it as well, I guess. But are we to play the devil's advocate? Are we kind of like having the total overreaction reversal of what everybody was talking about Nunez after the first two preseason games, Bickler, when he missed those openers? They're like, oh, it's a flop. Or are we just kind of like seeing some cracks in the city machine and we're like, hey, you know what? This would kind of play to our benefits in the long run. I think we are when we talk about him as a goal scorer, I think it's probably an overreaction, but I don't like as a player, like the, the movement's a real concern. And I don't think that's an overreaction. Like that's either going to change significantly and it's not And like got to Galley's point. Like if it doesn't change, it's not going to work for the system. Like, it's just not like you can have a traditional number nine in pep system, but if he doesn't run to, if he doesn't check into those half spaces, it doesn't work. And so I don't think that's an overreaction. Like that's either going to change or it's not tactically going to work for city. Um, he's going to get, whether he's static or not, he's going to get goal opportunities. He's going to put goals in, but I think whether he's prolific or not at the rate we expect as the best goal scoring young player in the world, that's going to have to do with whether he can change as a player or if he has that ability to, to, to move into space the way they need him to. I mean, knowing Pep, like you're saying, Galley, he's going to stick to his system and he's going to expect the player to kind of fit. And also, I, I mean, do you see a scenario where, I mean, they knew when they were getting Holland what they were getting. So either he was hoping that he will be able to change him because we pretty much, or was it just a matter of they were like, hey, we're going to have to tweak our system to change things around ourselves but why mess with a winning formula so i want to be really clear here they wanted erling holland they wanted the best possible player you could get this year after mbappe decided to stay at psg so i'm not taking a shot at city here but i'm going to take a shot at city here they really wanted harry kane last year you know why because harry kane actually fits their system a hell of a lot better Harry Kane allows Kevin De Bruyne to step forward. Harry Kane allows Foden to take up spaces in different areas and play like Son, feed off Mares on the right, maybe even create something special with Jack Grealish on the left. 
I actually think Kane fit what they wanted to do better at City to make them a better team than Holland would have. And I think Holland's a better striker, maybe not today, but over the next 10 years, he'll be a better striker than Harry Kane because Harry Kane's older. I always thought Holland would end up at Bayern and be an absolute monster because the way they play with crosses and, and wingers, he would be the poacher in the box. He understood the Bundesliga. It made no sense to me for Holland to make this move except for the fact that City missed out on their big opportunity, what they wanted last year in Kane. And when they did, they kind of earmarked Holland as the next thing. And I I kind of feel like Pep Guardiola got like a plan B. He might have got the better player and the younger player, but I don't know he got the better player for his system. And I, I honestly believe that he'll be a success, but I don't know that it's going to bring City to a new level. Because I think it requires a change of style, which makes me think this was more a board hire because they don't expect Guardiola to be there for four or five more years. And Holland might be there when the next manager comes that plays more to his attributes because I don't believe Pep Guardiola plays to the attributes of an Erling Holland. And that's the thing. I don't know. I mean, or they were under the impression or Pep is planning on changing some of that style. I personally don't see it either. Because uh, like I say, kind of like a winning formula and all the other players fit that system. Um, what do you make of that, Bickler? I mean, is it something that, like I said, we know he's going to get his goals. And you have delivery. I mean, Brian Shelton says, you know, the uh, Bruyne was was he even really on the pitch? And I know he didn't have a good game, but he still was able to put a couple of balls. And that's the thing with Kevin De Bruyne. Even when he does not have a good game, he can put a couple of those balls into the box where all you have to do is just like touch it. Well, he couldn't. Like in the first half, that was like a wide open opportunity. So he's going to do that. I mean, it's one of those guys that you're going to have on the field because he can do that. So I know he's going to get his goals with, I mean, we don't know if Bernardo Silva is going to stay there, but they have so many people that can provide that ball, but they're never going to play to his style. Do you think Holland will be able to adjust his style and come to the wings or move around more to open up space? <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, he's young enough. I think he can adjust. I, I think it's interesting. It's 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 interesting. I don't I don't necessarily know if I believe it's a board hire because I don't think we have unless they have a timeline in which they know that Pep's gonna be there. I'm not I'm not sure that we we know that. I'm not sure that they know that. Uh, I think I agree with Galley where I think that their best fit and I think that their primary target was Harry Kane. And I think that this was like um, this is kind of an embarrassment of riches where you just go out and get the next guy. Right. And I think that there is, I think that there's a degree of arrogance here where you feel like you're just going to get the best available player and you'll figure it out. And like that you'll get him to fit in when you put the right players around him and you'll adjust tactically. Like we all know Pemps, Pep's a bit of a tinker. I think that he feels like that he can make some sort of in squad adjustments and get him firing. And I, I don't, I don't know that it's that easy. I don't know that's that easy. And I think that like, it's, it's like city, right? If you, if you're going to catch him, you're going to catch him on the front end. And so like, I think the start of the season is going to be real, real important to how this title race shapes out for them. Um, I, I, I still look at the team and I, once again, I echo chamber, I, I guess I'm just going to join the galley fan club, but like Alvarez looks like the guy that's a threat to me. Like that looks like, that looks like the guy that they wanted Jesus to be and couldn't get. 
So I think it's going to be real interesting to see what happens here between the two. They've got a lot of moving parts. They've got a lot of weapons. Um, but if I were them and I was a supporter of city, I would have some serious reservations and concerns about the ability of Holland to make those adjustments in, in his game. Yeah, I think that's why I wish they had a tougher schedule studying, starting out the season. I mean, no game is easy in the Premier League, and maybe it will actually even be better where maybe we'll have them lose some points in what looks like on paper the easier part of the schedule, too. Mm -hmm. So it could be a double benefit. Alan Walnut is with us. He says, holy crap, I'm so late. Well, to be honest, when we didn't see greetings for Houston, we already called the emergency we services over there in Houston. So they will be doing a wellness check because we were like, where is Alan? But he is with us as well. So let's talk about our boy instead of their boy. Uh, so Galley, I mean, from what you see from his game, I don't know if that header was going in or not, but either way, you know, he caused the penalty. He scored his goal. And more importantly, I felt like, you know, he was effective and he made his presence known when he was on the field. Yeah, I mean, I I think the header was on net, which at one point I like screamed like, ah, it should be a red card. And the people in the bar were like, OK, Homer, stop, just calm down. And that, that just showed my excitement for the moment that we were that Mo was going to step up and take that penalty. Um, I think the bigger key was that he won the header. And it just showed that there was like a physical presence in the box in that moment, like a big play in the 84th minute or 83rd minute, whenever it was, that he could go up and win that header over Diaz and knock it down and 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 win the head ball or win the handball and, and the penalty. And then the goal, the goal was nice. I mean, he was in the right place at the right time. He made the right run. And then he calmly finished it off when we saw another player on another team have a similar situation and just, you know, fluff his lines. For me, the one where he bared down on Ederson and didn't score was just as good because he made the absolute right run on the right timing. And it's not something he did a lot of at Benfica, which was try to run behind on like a timing play from midfield. So it felt like he was starting to pick up the nuances of how we're going to play and that he's betting in, in a way that if we get that type of energy off the bench with that type of talent, that's something we haven't had for a long, long time as we've been asking for like a game changer player to come in and eventually he'll start. Oh yeah. Yeah. Divac, he'd come in and do it in the 95th minute. But I, you know, I believe this guy's going to come on against tired defensive teams in the 55th, 60th minute of Premier League matches and may do exactly what we saw. He arguably, outside of Mo, which was like the best player in the league and showed it from minute one to the end, he was the best player on the pitch outside of Mo, and he only played 27 minutes. He did a huge job at impacting the game, and I think that's all you can ask for a ninety for a record signing playing in a trophy match. We got the plates, and yes, the plate discussion from last week, by the way, the plates was not on the wall. At the end of the day, if you were listening to the episode last week, there was like a lot nope. of plate discussion. No plate on the wall, but we got the plate in the museum. What was that? It's in the museum, and they have it on the, the museum plaque of all the trophies they've ever won. But they also have like the Volkswagen Audi Cup one year in Germany that they picked up. 
for beating like a seven-tier division team, one nothing with a bunch of kids. So I give Jamie a lot of credit. Irish Jamie, you're right. Record <laughs> that shit. No plates, but we got to play it either way. And obviously, you know, like I say, if we lost it, I think I was looking more like the game and how it went and stuff. And I really liked what I saw overall in terms of how much more the team looked a lot more ready. Like we talked about like Henderson, that midfield looks solid. But then we have these injury worries and stuff now. How concerned are you? While there are players that may not be starting are you worried about that, Bickler, as we hear about all these like injuries, like Jones and stuff like that? Or it's almost like better to get these out of the way early in the season than it's partially because of the training? He's such a jerk. You listen to me all summer talking about how I want us to buy a midfielder. We go down two midfielders, and then you ask me if I'm concerned. <laughs> uh, no, it's going to be fine. I mean, what do you mean? Like, uh, like listen, uh, Jones in a walking boot, Nabby with – what we suspect is COVID. Um, yeah, not great. Yeah, well, I would love another midfielder. It doesn't have to be Bellingham for a hundred. You know, it doesn't have to be Bellingham for a hundred million. But like, my issue is that there there are quality additions out there. I think that we could make. And I know that we technically, if you look at it, yes, we have nine midfielders. I don't count Milner. Sorry, I don't count like Carvalho, Harvey. They're all attacking mids that play in a very like specific role in that system they're not traditionally plugged into our three on top of our base they, they're just not can harvey probably potentially can 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 jones when he's healthy yes with very very mixed results like i think that like i still think that singare for psv is a good addition like we to me we need another holding mid at bare minimum um, I don't believe that we're going into this season happy with the fact that our backups for Fabinho are Henderson and Milner. I just don't believe that. Um, I think um, – so, I mean, we, we go to the championship. Again, Sanderberg, the Norwegian kid from, like, Sheffield United. I'd be fine with that. And I think that he's got a ton of potential. He's a solid player. He wouldn't cost an arm – I mean, there's players out there. We're always like, yeah, but but who? who be, re, be, re, be realistic. There's players out there, and like we say, be realistic, and then we go and our team finds eight players that we've been monitoring for six years, right? So we know the players are out there. I just think that we're at least two bodies shy in the midfield, and part of that is because we still have Ox, which I think should be probably gone at some point because of just his inability to stay healthy. But yeah, I am concerned. I mean, we're down three midfielders already, and we haven't even gotten to Milner. So like, yeah, I don't love it. I think that's the issue, like all those players you named, including the ones that are injured, like Jones and stuff like that. I just do not have confidence in them filling in the shoes of Fab or Hando. And I think that's, you know, the holding mids and even Hando, like, you know, you need because I feel like even if you get another player that's newer, even if it is Sangare. I would like handle out there with him if we're doing that. So either way, we need two out of those three out there at all times. And that is definitely a concern. But finally, we get to do some meaningful predictions over here, Galley. Fulham game is up next. I, I guess we could have talked a little bit about the preseason game afterwards. I It was kind of like a mishmash. And I mean, it was good to have those guys out there getting another run. Uh, but I figured like it was, it was kind of like not fair to dissect that game that much. So let's move on to the next one right away against Fulham. 
What is the 11 you're expecting to see? Obviously, we're expecting Allison to be back in goal. The rest of the lineup pretty much fills itself, I guess, maybe except that second center back position, which no, Kanade, I, I, I think, is kind of nicked up now. Yeah, I, I, I just believe it. It's what we saw on Saturday. That's the starting lineup with Allison in net as long as he's physically fit. I kind of hope somehow Kelleher is like miraculously fit enough to make the bench because I'm not going to lie. I know some people will defend Adrian as a great number three or if it's your number three and he plays that well and you win a trophy. He won two trophies. I don't like watching Adrian play in net for Liverpool. I don't like his distribution. I don't like the short kicks. I thought he put us two or three times at situations where if it's Gabriel Jesus, we may get, we may have conceded goals because he would have been in the right spot to Paul's point that De Bruyne wanted him to be because De Bruyne was getting the ball in their half on goal kicks free and then making ping passes. So um, for all the love for Adrian for winning another trophy, whether you count it or not, I struggle with the idea that it's at all a positive that Adrian is the number three. Because I'd rather it be a kid that was on his way to being improved, embedded into the side. I know he's a great guy in the in the locker room, but that bothers me a little bit. Um, I hope Ali's back and everything's fine. I'm not worried about Fulham because I think Fulham's back line is an absolute joke, and they're a championship level side. They're going to start Tim Ream, people. That's anyone who's ever watched the U.S. Men's National Team knows. If Tim Ream starts, goals are conceded. And that's not when Mo Salah's playing. That's when they're playing like Trinidad and Tobago. So, I mean, to be fair, um, like in all seriousness, like it's, it's, and, and it's just, it's, it's comical, but it's not, it's real. And they keep doing it. And it's like, what's the definition of insanity starting Tim Ream on the first match of three consecutive Premier League appearances for a club. And then wondering why you start this next season in the championship. So I think we're going to be okay. I think we'll score some goals. What I really want is a clean sheet because I'd really like this team to get off to a flying start because I think to Paul's point and your point, City doesn't have a tough schedule out of the box, but they got to play West Ham on the road. And if there's a team that can, like, nip you in the tail early, it might be a David Moyes team more prepared for the first match than any other team in the Premier League. So I'm hopeful we go out there, put a big result up early Saturday. And I know it sounds stupid, but I think after last Saturday, it puts a little bit of pressure on City even with 38 more matches to play. Yeah, leave it to Galley to get some crap into the American national team at the same time. I do agree with the like the starting 11, obviously. That kind of like goes without saying, I think, at this point, especially if Canada is nicked up. Um, Bickler, what do you expect to see? The, the fact that it's an early game always kind of scares me. And the fact that while Fulham, I agree, and you know, we talked about it in the Premier League show when we did the Fulham preview as well, they're not very good. The fact that, you know, they're, you know, first home game back in the Premier League. And I know they're not like Brentford. They more like bounce up and down and stuff like that. But what do you make of that? Meanwhile, everybody is scared of Adrian. I To touch up on that real quick, I think for a third goalie, he is good enough. And I think he's on there not because he fits our goalie profile. I think at this point, like you're saying, Yali, his locker room presence and experience and how he's working maybe with these younger kids is why he's there. Uh, So does he scare me with the front of the ball? Yeah, but at the same time, 
It is the third goalie. Alan Wallen says, Gally, you're ha so happy. Yeah, he's on vacation. I'd be happy too. He's on a not only he's on a free vacation, uh, on a vacation, he's on a free vacation. So I'd be double as happy. Bickler, what do you expect out of the freaking early game on Saturday? I'm just trying to wrap my head around what was the most diplomatic assessment of Fulham I've ever heard going into that. I don't know if we're like crossing channels between the Premier League channel and this, but that was like the nicest assessment I've ever heard of a trash team going in. Um, yeah, uh, this game shouldn't be close, and if it is close, we should all be disappointed. Like if it's 2-0, we should be disappointed. I, I think it's going to be – like to me, I think it's going to be 4-0. Like that's that's what my hope is, and that's what it should be. Um, we should come out of the gate with the intent to pile goals in this season. I mean, we're in an arms race for city. And I think that we should just put our foot down and like it's metal to metal, man. And I really think that we should go out there and try to light it up and Fulham's right for the picking, man. Like they haven't made a whole lot of quality additions. They probably won't make a whole lot of quality additions. Scott Parker has been here and done this before and done poorly. And there's no sort of indication that he's going to improve on that. Um, I just think that this thing should be a bloodbath, and that's what we're hoping for. So you say 4-0. Alan Walnut agrees, says 4-0. Season is here, people. So the optimism levels have to go down. The same preseason for me. I'm back to my worrying self. Gally, what do you have? I'm actually going to go even more bullish. I think it's like a 5-0. And I think, like, Mo comes out and just literally rips it up, drops one of his, like, opening day hat tricks, lets Son know, like, I'm coming back for my golden boot by myself. I'm going to be the best fantasy player in the world. Like, I, I, I really believe they go attacking, and they're just throwing it at him. It might be one of those matches where they score five goals, and you question whether or not they should have scored eight. Damn. It's good to have you guys on here uh, to give this optimism. Carvalho is going to get the most respectful yellow card you've ever seen. By ripping his shirt off after he scores. Oh, oh damn. It's another writing. Gonna have to have the editor honest, cut these. Let's be honest, the, the Nunez taking off his shirt and running to the crowd was absolutely phenomenal. Because if you score a goal in stoppage time to steal a win, whether it's a preseason trophy or not, and you have abs like him, you should take off your shirt. Because I wouldn't wear clothes if I was built like that man. Period. So I guess we should thank that you have the 15-year-old body. <laughs> it's, God's, it's God's way of protecting us all. <laughs> it's why I normally wear two shirts, as Kelly would say. <laughs> to protect you all. I go with 3-0 as well, actually. I'm glad he said that. I'm going with 3-0 as well. I just feel – but it's not going to be an easy one. The first half is going to be a frustrating one. I just feel like because it's away, because it's early and against the team that just came – up to the Premier League worries me, but it's what I freaking do, people. I worry. So, but either way, we're all predicting a clean sheet. It's just freaking great to talk about actual real games that matter. Not that this one didn't matter. We got the plate on the wall. Well, not on the wall, on the table, whatever. But uh, so it was good to have that. It was a good start to the season, both for Nunez and stuff. I think it was kind of like the ideal scenario. If it wasn't for these injuries, I would be even happier. But hopefully, gentlemen, next Monday when we sit over here, we'll be talking about how we already started the season with a clean, maybe even a point advantage like Gally says, because I can hopefully see that a guy can wish. Well, thank you all for joining.
commenting, liking, and all that good stuff, head on over to our YouTube TV station as well. We're about to finish up our Premier League predictions. And Gally over here, along with Mateusz, is there to help you guys out with your fantasy team if you have not picked them already. If you have done what I did, which was like the quick pick thing that you click on where it spits out a roster. Yeah, Bigler, you're smirking. I guarantee you, you've been freaking studying up, haven't you? Are you just watching the show studying up or you have? No, like man, a, I just like, work here. I just, I barely even play. Yeah, okay. He, Such yeah, bullshit. We'll see it. Such bullshit. Yeah, he's probably got like books and shit. I just, yeah, we just, yeah, the, the gig is up. Yeah, <laughs> the gig is up. Well, thanks again, everybody, and see you guys next Monday. Take care.